seated. Good morning, everyone. If you got a Bible with you today, open up to Galatians 2. Galatians 2, we're going to be in verse 20. Finishing out our series, Gospel Grit. What is it that gives fuel and perseverance and passion to be able to follow Jesus in this life? Um, as we've worked through the verse, there is one answer. It's Jesus. Who is it that enables us? It's, it's Christ alone that does that. Uh, what gives access to this new life that he purchased for us through his crucifixion? It's Jesus. And today we're looking at the foundational piece of it, like the the foundation of it all, and it's his love. I'm gonna give you the question all the way up front. I'm gonna be asking this throughout the sermon. Please do not check out. But do you know the love of Jesus? There's a way that we can hear that question as well. Of course, I've come to church. Of course, I know the love of Jesus. I talked with a family member of mine a couple, couple days ago, actually. We were out of town for a wedding, and uh, my five-year-old little boy is a fire-breathing evangelist. And uh, he, he, uh, he goes up to them and says, hey, Daddy said, you don't know God. And that's a fun... That's a fun conversation. Oh yeah, I do. And he's kind of confused. And so we need to set the record straight. Like we're oh, sometimes, especially those of us that have been involved in church, we're, our knowledge about Jesus outpaces our experience with him. The amount of biblical history that we've like retained as we've read the Bible over and over again, it outpaces our character and appreciation for him. Do you know the love of Jesus? Love makes people do really weird things, doesn't it? Um, I shared a little bit of my story. When I came in in April, I grew up in a pretty broken home. Um, my family and I, we moved to Southern Indiana in 91 or 92, and I knew at a very young age, this ain't home. The sun just isn't as bright in Indiana as it is in Florida. All my friends are hundreds of miles away. This ain't great. And it put a lot of strain on my, my mom's and my stepdad's relationship, and they would eventually divorce. Mom would become the sole breadwinner of her home, and reflecting on, on my time at, at home in southern Indiana, in Mockport, at a young age, I'm convinced now that I would not have, I would not have been able to stay with my mom had it not been for my grandma. Are there any grandmas in here today? Yeah, you have a very important role outside of spoiling your children, your children's children, okay? Very important role. Um, and my grandma took a br the brunt of the conflict in the home, especially as it related to me being a jerk sometimes 
to my mom or my sister and putting her in figure four leg locks. Um, grandma was our foundation. And even now I miss my grandma. Without her, life would have been much more painful than what it was. But grandma, like everyone, passes away. And you come to find that those foundational pieces, the, the thing that you build your life on, it evaporates as quickly as it materializes, doesn't it? It's not so with the love of Jesus. Jesus promises to be there always and forever. But that's because of the kind of love that he has for us. Again, do you know the love of Jesus? I hope that you do. Let's hear from the word today. If you're able to, would you stand out of reverence for God's word, please? I'm gonna read from verse 15 down. Once we get to verse 20, would you read that out loud with me? This is what God's word says to us this morning. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. We just saw Deborah baptized just a moment ago. What is it that justified her before God? It wasn't baptism. It was faith in Jesus alone. So we have also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will ever be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. This is God's word to us this morning. You can be seated. This is our last week. The last few words that we're honing in on today. In verse 20, who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus is our foundation. The overwhelming question that we have to wrestle with is do we know the love of Jesus? Notice first Jesus' love towards you or towards Paul, towards us. There are a lot of different ways that we could talk about love. Some of us might use preferential language. Um, you'll notice that I am wearing a St. Louis Cardinals shirt today. Um, yeah, praise God from whom all blessings flow, right? Um, you know, Ian, I'm... I don't know what to say. Um, 
when we talk about love, we're talking about how we prioritize other things over other things. Some people love the St. Louis Cardinals. Some people love the Bears. I, I found that out a couple of weeks ago. Just a smaller minority of people <laughs> here. Or we think of it in terms of your favorite candy bar. Reese cups are 100% better than Snickers. You want to fight about it? You want to fight about it? There's something that makes us love something more, right? There's something intrinsic to it. That's preferential kind of love, though. Is that the kind of love that, that the Bible is talking about? Maybe it's talking about a contractual kind of love. You might be able to see something like that in the Old Testament when you go to um, the covenant at Sinai in Exodus 19. God promises to Israel, if you obey the covenant, I will be your God. You will be my people. If you obey, you'll live in the land. And if you don't, you will be removed from the land. Does that speak though of contractual love? That's certainly a contract that God has with his people, but that's not the same thing as love itself in the Old Testament. Sometimes we think of relationships in contractual terms. If someone pulls their weight, then I'm going to stick with it all the way through. If not, I'm out, right? Or maybe we think of it in an emotional way. You all know what emotional love feels like, don't you? It's when you see someone, you're hanging out with someone that you really like, and then your heart starts to beat very fast, and then your stomach feels like it's about to like fly away out of your body. Like this is, I wanna be around them. And then something happens in your brain. Feel-good chemicals are released, and then they start talking to another part of your brain, and feel-good chemicals are released. And then that communicates with another part of your brain that says, I need to be a really good boy or a really good girl to stay around them. Otherwise, they won't want to be around me. Let's be on our best behavior. This is the honeymoon phase. <laughs> I like this person a lot. And then it sets off a chain reaction across the rest of your your brain and body and as long as the spark is there, everything's a-okay. But what happens when those feel-good chemicals aren't there anymore? Is that love? That's not the kind of love that Paul is referring to one bit, one iota. The kind of love that he's talking about, altogether different, we might call it a faithful love. We might say that the love that Jesus has for people is a faithful kind of love. Aren't you glad that when God approached you and me, that his love wasn't preferential over us or towards us? Aren't you glad that God said, 
I like you, but I like X person just a little bit more. Maybe some of you actually feel like God treats you that way though. This might be revelatory. Like this is brand new stuff for you to hear. God does not think of it us in this way. I debated about whether or not I would share this. This is from the theologian Karl Barth. He said, it's simply out of the question that God helps the Germans or the French or the English or the American. God does not just, does not even help us Swiss. God helps justice and love. God helps the kingdom of heaven and that exists across all national boundaries. We want to look steadfastly and unwavering here to God who loves everyone equally, who is above all the nations for whom all have similarly departed and from whose glory they have fallen short. Aren't you glad that God does not look at us with preferential kind of love? That doesn't mean that those of you that are in Jesus today, you experience God's love in a very different way than people that are outside of God's family. You're known as a son or daughter of God because of Jesus's love, his adopting love for you. Other people outside of God's family do not get to have that same claim they get to enjoy eternal life with him forever. Not everyone gets to experience this. But that's not the same as preferential treatment. God in Christ pursues equally. God desires so many types of people around his throne and in his family. Aren't you glad though that God's love isn't based upon emotional kinds of love? That when the sparks are really flying for you, like in him, they might be popping off in one moment and then they just fizzle out and die and so does the relationship. Aren't you glad that God doesn't look at you in such a way? Aren't you glad that God doesn't make a contract with you and me? not based upon our own ability at least. The kind of love that God has for you and me is one that is forever faithful. How has he loved us? What does Paul say? The life I now live, live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me who loved me. Jesus loved Paul before Paul received the benefits of Jesus's love. Before Paul was an amazing missionary and church planter, Saul was a murderer. And Jesus loved him still. Romans, Paul says, while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. 
way before Paul gets to receive the benefits of being called a son or being redeemed, Jesus extends love to him in what? By giving of himself. We'll get that there in just a moment. It's a faithful kind of love. He carries on and he's loved even from the moment that he's writing the book, even from the moment where he experiences hardship and sin and failure. Jesus loved Paul. And church, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Here's something that we need to reckon with though, and we don't like to sit in this. You and I are far, far worse than we can ever imagine. Tim, I don't know if I buy that or not. The seeds of all kinds of evil are inside you and me. Sometimes the only difference between us and people on death row is that we're scared if we get sent to jail. The only thing that hinders us from acting out against people is the law or consequence. The seeds of all kind of wickedness are inside you and me though. It's when we recognize that you and I are not only capable of the worst kind of things. We inherited sin too. It's only when we contemplate and confess and recognize this kind of stuff, friends, it's, it's then we get to plumb the depths of God's grace and love for us. Not a moment before where we get to experience God's goodness. When you go to Psalm 51, Psalm 51, what happens? It's a, it's a, it's a psalm of confession, isn't it? You have Nathan, he's coming to, to King David who just stole a man's wife. And then he had that man murdered. He pushed off confession until when? He was checked. It wasn't his sin that necessitated the confession though. It was, it was based upon God's love for him. Do you know how the beginning of the psalm goes? Have mercy upon me, O God. According to your steadfast love. David was a sinner, but his prayer was prompted by God's grace, his need to receive God's grace based upon God's love for him. And God's love is mightily offensive to the religious. If you're here today and you believe that good works, being a good person makes us acceptable to God, there's no room for God's love in your heart. There's no amount of coercion that we can give. We can't twist his arm into getting him on our side. 
For the broken, though, there's no limit to his love. There's no limit to the experience of his love. His patience is timeless. His grace is bottomless. And his mercy is boundless. That's the love of God. Friends, do you know the love of God? Do you know a God that is willing to hear you when you fail? Do you know a God that is willing to hear you when you fall and when you sin and even when, let's face it, when, when we don't wanna be around him sometimes or when we don't wanna be around each other sometimes? Do you know that God still wants to know you? This is God's love to us. But notice next, Jesus' life for us. Paul says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus gave himself for Paul. There's no impersonal force no cosmic law, no external necessity compelled Christ to die. It was for the love of God. Unmerited, immeasurable, infinite that sent Jesus to the cross, not for his own sake, but for yours. Nothing less than Jesus' love motivated him to go to the cross for you and me. Jesus gave himself. You and me were targets of God's love. We are recipients of the greatest gift that the greatest person in the universe and outside could give his own body, his own blood. And so we think about this in personal terms as well we should. We might not think of it so clearly about how radical the reality of God's love is. Sometimes when we read the Old Testament, there's this idea that the God of the Bible is radically inconsistent. The God of the Old Testament is a jerk and the God of the New Testament is somehow peace and love and happiness. The problem is they haven't read it fairly. You could see how God has cared for and loved his people well. 40 years in the desert. The reason why they walked through the desert is why? Because of their own sin. God didn't let them perish though, did he? He preserved them and still walked with them. Or King Hezekiah, when he was about to die, what happens? God grants him a few more years to live, to lead Israel well. But when we get to the Gospels, and we get to the New Testament, we see God's love embodied and enfleshed. When Jesus teaches, and people still make fun of, and ridicule, and scorn him, Jesus still gives his heart to people. When Jesus calls friends to follow him and be discipled by him, Jesus gives his time to them. 
when he shares a meal with them, he says, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is my body that's about to be broken for you, for telling his death again for his friends. Jesus paid it all. How? Through everything that he was, with everything that he had, Jesus gave his life for you and me. And so we can think about Jesus still giving to us today. We can think about it in the macro kind of big scale kind of stuff. But maybe we should think about it in more personal terms for us then. What is the message of the gospel to those who feel shame constantly? and do not even feel comfortable even with themselves. Jesus does not look on you with pity as if this is a Sarah McLachlan commercial for the ASPCA, right? That's not Jesus's heart for you. Maybe I'll give you a couple of bucks and then maybe you'll be able to get over it, right? That's not, that's not the story of the gospel. It's his indomitable love that's fleshed out in giving himself to us. Nothing compares to Jesus' guilt-absorbing love. 2 Corinthians 2, he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. Or even fear you who are fearful even now. Lost jobs come. COVID might come again. Cancer might come again. You might lose a loved one. My grandma's not here anymore. Our safety and security, it doesn't come from those things, but it sounds like this. I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Do you know the love of Jesus? Do you real like really? I'm convinced of this that the more we fall in love with Jesus, the only reason we do is because we recognize how much he loves us. The only reason why we would give to him is because we recognize how much he has given to us. How do we know that Jesus loved us? It's by him giving his life. And if our life is crucified with him and hidden in him, how could we not receive his love and thereby give his love away to other people? We can't forgive like he does, not in our own strength, but we can receive resources from the great lover of our soul. There's no way we can give our lives alone without receiving from him who gave at such a cost. Do you know the love of Christ for you? Would you bow your heads with me?
Jesus, I want to give just space for friends or your church here to meditate on your great love. Respond in silent worship. Maybe they want to pray out loud even. But you gave at such great cost and you gave liberally, you give freely. You give not because you saw something in us, but you loved us because you simply loved us. This is the great foundation of the Christian life, Father. And we confess that we make so many other things uh, more important than the love of God. Jesus, I pray that we would experience your love for us afresh. Would you do that, please? love for the guilty and for the ashamed this love for the fearful your love extends to the broken your love is magnificent even for those that have walked with you for years, decades Jesus over and again would you teach us to abide in your love pray this in Jesus' name.